Hello. So the last time we spoke, I told you that I'd been nominated to take part in the BBC Radio 4 Introducing New Comedy Award, a BBC competition designed to find the best new comedians, people who've been doing comedy for five years or less. I've been doing comedy for just over a year now. Recently, I came second in the Great Yorkshire Fringe New Comedian of the Year. I won 2018's Nottingham Comedy Festival New Comedian of the Year, and I won 2019 Bath Comedy Festival New Comedian of the Year. So it's been quite a year in terms of competitions. And it was the icing on the cake to have had the honour of being nominated to take part in the BBC Radio 4 New Comedy Awards. They sifted through over 500 entries, and they whittled it down to the last 50. It works like this. There's five heats, ten acts in each heat, all doing up to five minutes each. Five minutes of their own material. There's only one winner from each heat. They definitely go through to the semi-final. There's only ten places in the semi-final and they have two runner-ups from each heat and then there's a decision made at the end of all the heats as to which five go through to the semi-final, which is held at the Edinburgh Fringe. And then that gets whittled down to five and they compete as part of the final. And I'm now going to tell you my experience of the BBC New Comedy Award. Strap yourself in because there's quite the story. So I was taking part in heat three, which was in Leicester on the 3rd of July. And the first thing to talk about was the fact that we had to send a transcript of our set. So I had to write down what I was going to say. I didn't have a transcript of my gig available because I don't write a lot of it down long form. I'll think about stuff and then I'll put the jokes in a spreadsheet. Well, you know all about the spreadsheet if you've listened to previous episodes. And then I just bullet point the jokes and put them in a spreadsheet. Anyway, the reason we needed to do a transcript was because it had to go through BBC compliance. And I'm blaming you for that, Joe Brand. So I submitted a transcript. I took out any swearing or anything like that. And then I got an email back a couple of weeks later saying we'd rather you not talk about this, we'd rather you not talk about that. I understood one of their concerns and why they'd want me to take that out, but I was a little bit disappointed by one of the remarks that they made because they wanted me to take out something that would essentially really dilute the routine by cutting that one joke that they wanted me to cut, which in my opinion was nothing at all. It meant that I had to get rid of about five or six jokes after it and it really diluted the joke. But the competition was in two days and I thought, well, it'll still work, it just won't be quite as good, but I'll make it work, it'll be fine. Rather than writing a whole new bit. You know, so it was a bit frustrating, but it was understandable. Not a massive problem. Other people, I assume, would have had to have gone through the same process as well. Well, actually, that was one interesting thing when I got there, and I met all the other acts, and I asked everyone, I said, did you have any compliance issues? Did you get stuff sent back? And everyone was like, oh, no, they were absolutely fine with it. I was the only person in my heat out of the ten. I was the only person who got told I'd have to change stuff. I didn't think I was that bad, but there we go. But then again, in, in fairness, the Suffolk Times, or whatever it was, did describe my actors. Many of the jokes are in pretty bad taste, but undeniably funny. So, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm more edgy than I thought. Anyway, it was all fine. I got everything approved, so I was fine to go ahead with what I was planning on saying. So the judges were the comedian Angela Barnes, and then there was the director of Leicester Comedy Festival, and there was an editor at BBC Comedy. So I was on 8th, so I went in and listened to the other acts, and a lot of them were going down pretty well. I was thinking, oh, the standard is pretty high. The audience seemed to be going for it. It was a great heat. It was, it was about 300 people there. It was a packed room. I went backstage when Act 7 was on to make sure I was there and ready, and the act before me seemed to be going down pretty well. And bearing in mind I'd heard all of the other acts so far, so I knew I was up against, so I'd know if the gig wasn't going particularly well, or I'd know if the gig was going really well. I knew how many applause moments had happened, how many whoops and cheers. I had a whole handle on the gig. I walk out onto the stage and I deliver my first joke. Just a little bit of a, not a throwaway one, but just a one that I do, because I like to get a laugh within the first five seconds. So it's just a little joke to kind of get things off, get a good laugh, feeling confident. I'm looking forward to delivering my next line, because it always goes well, and I deliver it, and instantly, the crowd break into applause. 
And I'm thinking, I don't think I've heard an applause like this yet in the actual gig. I mean, I can't remember everything exactly, but I'm thinking so far, so far, so brilliant. Then I deliver my next line, and that was the first time I'd ever done that joke. I instinctively thought, well, it should work. Obviously, it's a bit of a risk. I put it on the transcript, but I'd never delivered that joke before because it would only ever work in the context of being here at the BBC and doing it for radio. Deliver the line, great laugh, again, an applause. I thought, my God, if, if things go, keep going like this and I keep getting an applause for every single joke, I'm not going to have time to get through my set. Now, if anyone's listening to this, by the way, and they've heard the actual broadcast, hold your judgment, because we're going to get to that. I'm just telling you what happened on the night first. Anyway, there was moments where I was a bit worried. I was thinking, I'm not going to get through my set because they're applauding too much and the laughs are too long. I wasn't expecting this. So I didn't quite manage to get through everything that I'd planned on getting through. Right, I need to round this off. But the audience were applauding too too much. There was too much applause. And I think, I don't want to get over the five-minute mark. I need to. I don't want to get disqualified. So I had to shout over the audience my last joke. But I knew it was a good one. I knew it would work. It was a callback to something else. I knew it was going to work. And sure enough... The applause just crescendoed. Well, I didn't have time to wait for them to quieten down. So I just shouted over the top of them, bid them farewell, and I left to a tumultuous applause. And I came off the stage and I thought, my God, have I got this in the bag? It feels like I have. I've heard all of the other acts. I've been in the room. They've gone down well. But that just felt like another gig. And then I had to wait for Act 9 and Act 10, which admittedly I didn't hear because I had to go and do an interview. It felt like Bath Comedy Festival. When I did Bath Comedy Festival and I won that, the response was so vociferous and the applause went on. One of the reviews that came out in the Bath Echo said applause that went on for minutes. And I thought, my God, I think I've got this in the bag. If they're going on audience response, then I've definitely won. That's judged by judges as well, rather than the audience. So again, for the BBC New Comedy Award, I thought, well, this has not been judged by the audience. But if they're taking into account the audience response and the judges enjoy it as much as the audience, then I've got it. And then the gig ends and we have to wait. We have to wait for the judges to make their decision. And a couple of the acts came up to me and they were like, well, it's clear that you've won, mate. You might as well go go at the front ready for when you go on stage. And I'm kind of modestly kind of, oh, well, we don't know, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. But in my head, I'm thinking, oh, you know something, I think, you know, it feels like that. It feels like that to me. Anyway, remember, only one person can win. They then have two runner-ups. And then you have to wait for two or three weeks until all the other heats have happened to find out whether you get through to the semi-final or not. So obviously the goal is to win it, to get straight through to the semi-final and not to have to wait, to endure that wait. Anyway, we're all waiting at the side of the stage, waiting to go on if our names are called. And they say, we're going to do the runner-ups first. Our first runner-up, David Eagle. I genuinely was shocked. My face fell. And I sort of had to give myself a bit of a talk as I was going onto the stage. I'm like, look happy, David. This is a, this is a good thing. Look happy. But I, I kind of had convinced myself because a couple of acts had sort of said, well, you're, the, you're clearly going to win. And I'd sort of gone, that feels like Bath Comedy Festival. I think I'm going to win. I was shocked. And I, I hope I doesn't come across as arrogant. I'm just going on the reaction of the crowd. Oh, my God. I've got to wait now to find out whether I'm even through. And on the train back, because my girlfriend was in the audience, and she seemed to be quite shocked. She was like, well, I 100% thought you were going to get it, given the reaction. And apparently everyone around her was really laughing. Apparently everyone around her was going, oh, well, he's going to win. But uh, anyway, I was, I was actually shocked. I was on the train. I'm going, whoa, what the hell happened? And Ellie's going, I don't know. I really did think you were going to win it. But yeah, I mean, you're surely a, you're a shoo-in for the getting through the semi-final. So I was thinking, well, I do feel confident about getting through the semi-final based on that reaction from the audience it just felt like a brilliant gig anyway so a few weeks later i get an email from the bbc and it says hi david on this occasion we were not able to put you through to the semi-final 
It's not quite interesting wording. We're not able to put you through. I'm like, yes, you are. Yeah. I, I, I don't understand. I've now heard some of the other heats. By this point, I'd heard the first and the second heat on the radio. So I knew the other heats had gone, and I thought there was still nobody who had an audience reaction quite like the one that I got. I'm not saying that I'm the best comedian or anything like that. I'm just talking about audience reaction. You know, hopefully I'm not coming across as massively egotistical. I can only tell you what happened on the night. And then I'd heard the first and second heats because they'd been broadcast. So I was quite taken aback. And I thought, well, that's it. The competition's over for me. I'm not getting through. I'm not going to Edinburgh. I'm not doing the semi-final. And there's part of me thinking, well, okay, whatever happens, the show's going to go out, people are going to hear how my set went down, and they're going to be able to compare and contrast for themselves, and they're going to hear how well it went, and the reaction's going to come across on the radio, and the audience at home are probably going to think, oh, well, he's got this, and it'd be something I'd be proud to show, and it'd be something that I'd happily advertise, and this is the first time that a lot of people have heard me do stand-up, a lot of people who follow the young'uns, a lot of people who follow this blog, this is your first time that you've heard me do anything, and I thought it'd be a great advert you know i'm happy for you to hear this as the first thing i'll also be able to use it as a promo thing the laughter's going to come across brilliantly because it's from the bbc microphones all the other acts have come across really well you know there are still positives anyway so we're listening to the third heat my heat on bbc radio 4 extra which is broadcast on the 19th of july well the first thing that kind of shocked me was i was on eighth that night but they changed the order of the second half around meaning that i was on last meaning that the weight was even worse because i was like Oh, this should be me now. No, it's not. They've changed the order around. I'm thinking, why on earth are they doing that? And I still can't work out why they've done that. I mean, Ellie did say that um, the other two acts went well, but because my set seemed to go so well with the audience, you know, it didn't sound like the same reaction. So there's a part of me kind of thinking, oh, you're not going to get that contrast now because I'm at the end. But fair enough, you know, let's not. The other acts are really good. I'm not saying that I'm better. I'm just talking about the audience response on the night. So fair enough, they've changed the order, but, you know. And then it's getting on, and I'm looking at the time, and I'm thinking, bloody hell, I hope they're going to get to my set soon. You know, they surely haven't edited me out completely. I mean, like, they're going to get to my set soon, otherwise we're going to run out of time. Anyway, finally, it gets to my set. And the first thing happens, so the first joke goes really well, and then I suddenly think, what the hell happened? They've skipped a bit. In fact, they've skipped quite a lot. They've taken out about 30 or 40 seconds. And I was thinking, oh no, they've, they've taken out the two jokes that got the applause. Those two things that I mentioned, they'd taken them out and they just skipped to the next bit where I got a laugh. So it meant that anyone listening at home would have gone, all right, his first joke's got a laugh. All right, his second joke's got a pretty good laugh. And as my set went on, little bits here and there were taken out. And I was thinking, oh no, I, w- I wouldn't have structured it this way because I wouldn't have thought it was good enough. You know, I would never have structured the set in the way that it was being edited to be presented. And then I thought, well, they've taken out the um, second and third joke. The bit that refers back to that right at the end, the bit where the applause crescendoed, they're going to have to take that out because that's a reference to something that they've already taken out. So now I, I know that it's not going to be the same response. I know that it's not going to sound as good. The end isn't going to sound as good and i'm sat there thinking oh no i can't even use this as a promo now and i'm not even sure i want to tell people about this i'm not even sure i want to say listen to me on bbc radio 4 extra because i'm not really happy with the way it's come across yeah it sounds fine but it's nowhere near as good as it was on the night and i'm sitting there and i'm going i'm sure that bit got an applause and then he's going oh yeah i remember people really going for that joke and bits of the laugh and the applause had kind of been trimmed and edited out 
I suppose in some ways you could say they've got every right to edit it. You know, they'll have edited other people's as well. But a part of me was going, but it's not representative of the night. By changing the order and changing, cutting out jokes and trimming the applause and taking out applause altogether, the audience at home are now thinking, oh yeah, he's all right. Rather than, my God, he's storming it. So I was sort of trying, I was sort of wrestling with how I felt about it. I thought, I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm not going to complain or anything like that. You know, there's no right or wrong necessarily here. It's just my ego took a bit of a battering. And I thought, well, why bother editing anybody? I'm I mean, you've got an hour-long show. Wouldn't it be better to just play the competition out as it was? Because then it's representative. I don't know. I mean, if you're watching Match of the Day, they're obviously editing bits out, but they're kind of going for the, the highlights, aren't they? They're going for the edited highlights. They're not going, bloody hell, he's taking one of my goals out. You know, you wouldn't do that. Is it the same thing? And then the extra kick in the teeth came when they cut to the judges. They cut to Angela Barnes saying, you know, about them making the decision. And she said, oh yeah, there was one clear winner tonight. It was a unanimous decision by the three of us. And I thought, oh no, the extra kick in the teeth. Because to me, the audience reaction was different to that. I've got the broadcast here ready to go. And I'm going to play some of my set to you now but that's not it because I also have a recording from the actual night because I record all my gigs and I recorded it from the perspective of my pocket so what we're going to do is you're going to hear it you're going to hear how it sounded on the radio I'm going to play the first 30 seconds and you can hear how that sounded and then we're going to play the first 30 or 40 seconds of the actual gig and you can hear how it sounded and I'm just going to sort of show you just for peace of mind so that at least you can hear and I'm doing this because I, I can't ignore the fact that I've been on I did a whole blog post about it a few weeks ago about the fact that I'm going to be on so I have to talk about my experience of it I could just be really magnanimous I could just go, I was on the BBC Radio 4 New Comedy Award, it was an honour to do, didn't make it through to the semi-finals, bit of a shame, you can hear the broadcast here. But I can't do that, my ego won't let me do that, because I don't want you to think that's how it was. So I want you to hear how it actually went down. So we're going to compare and contrast. So here we go, this is the first few seconds from the broadcast. Give it up for David Good evening. I am a blind comedian. Brace yourself for dark humour. <laughs> but I think being blind is pretty good for comedy, actually, because uh, when you're blind, all sorts of weird things just seem to happen naturally on a daily basis. Sorry, I'm not trying to advertise it to you all as a lifestyle choice here. <laughs> so that's the broadcast version. Here is the version from my pocket. Good evening. Good evening. I am a blind comedian. Brace yourself for dark humour. <laughs> We're going to talk about being blind tonight because when you start out in comedy, one bit of advice that keeps coming back time and time again, talk about what you know, what you've got direct experience of. So instantly I thought, okay, well I'll either talk about what it's like not being able to see, or I'll talk about being black. <laughs> I uh, hope the judges are taking note of the extra effort I've put into uh, tailoring this for radio. Okay, so now we're back to where we were. So they've taken out probably about 30, 40 seconds there. Though there's two mums, they've got two applause bits, they've got cheers and whoops, you know. So I'd say now, if you listen to that, and it was, it was broadcast like that, I think you'd be listening at home and you'd be going, bloody hell, he's going down pretty well. But if you're listening to the broadcast version, I don't think you'd think that. I think you'd go, well, I think you'd say he's going down all right, isn't he? So now my ego's going, the 
thousands of people listening to this. They're not going to hear that. And then there was moments where I thought, I'm sure that got an applause. Actual jokes that they kept in, but I thought, I'm sure that got an applause. But it wasn't on the broadcast version. Fortunately, I had the original version to go back to. If I didn't, I think I'd get paranoid. I'd be thinking I'd made the whole thing up. So here's the version from the original. I'm going to play the original one first this time. So here's the joke from the original. Well, the thing is, when you're blind to the ordinary everyday things that you would just take for granted, they just turn into these crazy dramas. And I'm just talking about the, you know, the simple everyday stuff here, like every single time I get into the car and drive. <laughs> That's how that bit came across in actuality. This is what it sounded like on the broadcast. Well, the thing is, when you're blind to the ordinary, everyday things that you would just take for granted, they just turned into these crazy dramas. And I'm just talking about the, you know, the simple, everyday stuff here, like every single time I get into the car and drive. <laughs> Although, in fairness, the drink doesn't help. Hopefully you're listening to this and you're thinking, yeah, that is a quite a vast difference there between how it sounded on the night and how it's being presented on the radio. My only argument for not editing it much is that you end up with a better show. I would have thought. <laughs> I don't know, maybe that is a famous Australian pickup line. I'm not particularly well versed in the famous Australian rule books on flirting. <laughs> Didgeridoos and don'ts of antipathy and seduction. <laughs> 101 ways to get down under. Okay, so that's how that went down on the actual night. Here's how that bit was broadcast. I don't know, maybe that is a famous Australian pickup line. I'm not particularly well versed in the famous Australian rule books on flirting. The didgeridoos and don'ts of antipathy and seduction. 101 ways to get down under. How to have fun in the bush. So I said to him. We've taken out the applause again. So, so far, the audience haven't really heard an applause. They've heard a couple of hand claps. Well, they haven't heard an applause, so we've been going for a minute now. And the audience at home have no idea that I've been getting applause breaks. Here's a bit from the actual night. Because sometimes my eyes will move around in their sockets, uh, searching for the light. Praise the Lord. <laughs> And here's how that bit was broadcast. Because sometimes my eyes will move around in their sockets, uh, searching for the light. Praise the Lord. <laughs> not, I mean, that one, not as bad, but still. But you don't get that same sense, do you? I'm not going to keep doing this for every single joke, but let's have another little look. I'm British, so of course, naturally, I feel awkward. <laughs> for him, on his behalf. <laughs> So what it is, my friend, is... So that's how that was edited. I mean, that's quite a dodgy edit, actually. I can hear the edit point there. So that's how that bit went out on the broadcast. Here's how that bit actually went out. I'm British, so of course, naturally, I feel awkward. <laughs> For him, on his behalf. <laughs> well, someone's got to be awkward in this situation. It's clearly not going to be him. I'll take one for the team. <laughs> so... <laughs> They've taken out a joke, and the fact that that joke got 10 seconds of laughter, but it's not in there. You know, there's people spluttering with laughter, and you can't hear it. And you can't hear the fact that I'm unable to continue with the jokes and the story because the audience are really laughing, and I think that's kind of an important thing. I would say that it's important that the audience at home are aware of it. They're, they're hearing the response. You know, because the, the laughter is infectious. If you're listening at home and you hear that, you instantly think the gig is going differently to how it goes. You know, if I was editing this for a DVD, I wouldn't start taking 
out the jokes that got applause and I certainly and I wouldn't be taking out the applause and I wouldn't be diluting the laughter I wouldn't be cutting back on the laughter because I'd hope that the audience at home would also be laughing in the same way the last thing you want is the audience at home going <laughs> oh hang on he's continuing with the next joke here I, I've missed that now I mean, I'm not trying to big myself up I'm only saying what happened on the night see you later. <laughs> Don't applaud. So that's six seconds of applause on the uh, broadcast. Say like that. That's about 11 seconds in reality. I'm not so bothered about that, but I think I just feel a bit hard done by because everything else has been edited. It's like, oh, a bit too much applause there. Let's take a bit of that out. <laughs> so now I'm going to play you the end of what was broadcast, and I'm going to play the end of the original. Here we go. I can't do what a lot of comedians do who can see they will cheat, and to remember their jokes, they'll write them on their hands. But I read Braille. <laughs> there's no joke that I have that is funny enough to have it perforated into my skin and bones. <laughs> And to be honest, once I recovered from the resultant skin and bone damage, I'm hardly going to forget that joke in a hurry, am I? <laughs> and the other thing with Braille is you can't really rub it out. So I wouldn't be able to replace the jokes, I'd just have to keep adding more jokes to different parts of my anatomy. <laughs> my arms, my legs, my, my penis if it was a really long joke. <laughs> I'll leave you with that mental image, thank you very much. And now the original. My penis if it was a really long joke. <laughs> And I've walked off stage. So I don't know, that to me is a completely different gig. I'm doing this because I want to be truthful about my experience at the BBC Radio 4 New Comedy Award. I'm not having a go at the BBC. You know, I hope it doesn't seem like I am. I'm just saying what happened. Maybe I'll regret this decision to release this. Maybe it's not the right thing to do. So anyway, that's my experience at the BBC Radio 4 New Comedy Award. I mean, I'll maybe try and enter next year. But maybe I've blotted my copybook. Oh, I'm really down with the kids. I'm talking street now. You don't know what I'm talking about. Blotted my copybook. The, 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 the kids are, are saying that all the time. Anyway, it was a wonderful experience to be a part of. It was an honour to do. I'm really grateful to being chosen. I'm really grateful for the opportunity to have that broadcast. And I'm really grateful for the opportunity to perform that material and get such a great response. There are so many positives to take from that. So I genuinely want to thank everybody at the BBC Radio 4 New Comedy Award. Thanks for selecting me. Thanks for the opportunity. And maybe our paths will cross in some capacity again, hopefully in a very positive way. Right. Have I committed career suicide? I'll press upload and we'll find out, shall we? Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye.